Glory to God. Hallelujah. What's up, kids? Hey, I don't know if y'all keep up with uh, current events at all, but uh, over the last few months there's been a virus uh, going around, and I don't, don't know if you've been up on that. But I, I have noticed, have you ever seen a time when people were so interested in staying alive? And I say that because let me show you how serious we are about staying alive. We're washing our hands. You know people are serious about staying alive if they're washing their hands. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, if I'm in a restroom and I see some guy in him and he didn't wash his hands, I'm like, hey, y'all, he didn't wash his hands. You know, I want to out him. Uh, because, you know, th- this is the thing. We're washing our hands. We're wearing masks. We're social distancing. We're doing all those things because we want to live. And how many of you know that's because this carnal life, this fleshly life that we have, how many of you know it's precious? How many of you know it's fragile? And, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't realize that. I know it now. You know, in my mind, I'm 25 <laughs> until I sit down. And I go, oh, my wife says, what's wrong? I said, I sat down. And then in a few minutes, I'll go, oh. And she goes, well, what's wrong now? I said, well, I stood up. So I understand the fragility of life. And how many of you understand that's because this life that we have, our parents gave to us? And how many of you understand when your parents gave you life, they not only gave you life, they gave you death? I see some of you kind of thinking that over. But think about it. The only life your parents could give you was the life their parents gave them. And how many of you know that life includes death? If you don't believe that, go to any cemetery and you see the born-on date, the expiration date. Carnal life, this fleshly life, has a finite aspect to it. That's why we have to protect it. That's why you have to do things to encourage your body, to help your body to live. And that's because of this carnal life. You see, your parents not only gave you, like, when your dad sperm joined your mom's egg and the first cell separation took place, how many of you know at that instant you became you? You became you. And not only, how many of you know God knew you then? God knew you before your mama knew you were even there. Before your daddy said, it's a boy. God knew you. And the Bible says he not only knew you, but he knew the plans for you. And see, here's the thing. Your parents, if your mom has curly hair, you probably do. Right? If your dad's tall, I bet you are. If your mom has green eyes, you probably do. If your mama's real outgoing, you probably are. If your daddy's ugly... You look like your mama. Everybody tells you, you look like your mama. Glory to God. But see, mom and dad could only give you what they had to give you, and it included death. That is why what Jesus said is so important. Because Jesus said, it's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10 and 10. But I've come that you might have what? Life. How many know the word life there is? Zoe. Z-O-E. It means the life of God. So if you know Jesus... You now have life without measure, life without end, eternal. Say it. I got the life of God. Everybody in this side of the room, let me hear y'all say it. I got the life of God. Let me hear y'all over here. Everybody in the room, say it. How many of you, if you got the life of God, you have nothing to fear? I like what Pastor said earlier. If, if the Lord's for you, who can be against you? How many of you, if it's just Him and you, you always in the majority? Wave a hand and say, I know that's right. So I'm so glad to be back in Lancaster. Can y'all tell I'm cultured? I said Lancaster, South Carolina. So I'm glad, so glad to be back here. 
uh, as, as Pastor said, we met years and years ago, and I've had the wonderful privilege of knowing he and his family. And, and he gives me the opportunity to come and minister to you, something I never take lightly. Uh, if you're not familiar with, with our ministry, little etymology on my life. I grew up in church. How many of you here grew up in church? I did. My dad was a preacher. Uh, my dad preached all over the world, 115 countries. 63 years he preached. His dad, my grandfather, check this out, y'all, preached 78 years. That's how long he lived. That's how long he preached. And check this out, was married for 72 years to the same woman. Drop the mic. How many of you know that's God? You know that's God. 72 years. So what I'm trying to tell you is I come from a long line of love. I come from a long line of ministry. However, to be fully frank and honest with you, even though my dad was a preacher, even though my grandfather was a preacher, I was a hellraiser. I'm just telling you straight up. Alcoholic, drug addict, the whole deal. I was rebellious. How many of you here were ever rebellious? And the rest of you are liars. All right, well, that's fine. He's his own. Uh, <laughs> I was rebellious. But how many of you know it don't matter how deep you run your life into a pit? His love goes deeper still. I was telling Pastor I had somebody call me the other day I haven't sought to in 44 years. I've been in ministry almost 43 years. So the last time I saw him, he called me and he said, here's what he said to me, he said, you're a preacher? He said, man, somebody told me you were a preacher. And he said, the first thing I thought was, if God will forgive you, he'll forgive anybody. And I thought unwittingly my life was a testimony to him. But he said, I just can't believe that you're, you're preaching. And uh, he said, I've I, I just got to tell you, we, we haven't seen each other in all these years, but he said, I found you on the Internet. He said, I've been watching you preach on there, and you've been making deposits into my life. And so he said, I, I just can't believe it. And sometimes I can't either. Because I'd run my life into such a pit. I'd run my, and I grew up in a church. How many of you know, ever go to a church where if you disobey God, you're going to hell? Huh? I mean, I remember when hell had two syllables. hey and, and it seemed to me that the way I was made to understand, pretty much you had to be careful because anything fun would send you to hell. At least that was my perspective. You know, they were like, were you in that movie theater? Yes. Hell. Were you dancing? Sort of. Hell. You playing that loud guitar? I was. Hell. But how many of you know the Lord isn't interested in doing anything but loving you? He said His Son into the world, so no one has to go to hell. No one. You know, these days we hear about hurricanes coming. How many of you know nobody has to die in a hurricane? Why? Because we know weeks in advance. They can see it when it's a tropical depression, seven, eight hundred, a thousand miles out in the ocean. Then it begins to form into a hurricane. They see this. They tell you. They tell you almost with pinpoint accuracy, here's where it's going to come ashore. This is what the wind speeds will be. No one has to die in a hurricane. But how many of you know there's still that people are? Well, my daddy died in a hurricane. I'm going to figure I will. I'm going to drink a hurricane and die in a hurricane. In the same way, nobody has to die and go to hell. Because Jesus made a way 2,000 years ago so that no one had to perish. And so I stand before you as just a testimony to the love of God, the mercy and grace of God, that He can take anything and make something good out of it. And so I'm so glad to be here. Uh, as I said, I've been in ministry 43 years 
our ministry, if you're not familiar with it, has three portions to it. We have a Bible teaching ministry. My wife and I do mission work as well, go to reservations all over the country, do mission work with First Nations people. How many of you in this room have some native ancestry? Raise your hand if you got some. Everybody look around the room. I mean, I'll see it's most of the good-looking people that do. That's just my perspective. Um, so anyhow, we do mission work with native people, and uh, then we, we also have an outreach involving horses. How many of you like horses? Raise your hand if you like horses. What's wrong with the rest of y'all? Y'all know Jesus is coming back on one, don't you? Give that some thought for a minute. Just talk among yourselves. Uh, my wife uses horses in ministry. She sings, preaches, does entire services sitting on her horse. She teaches biblical principles using the horse as the idiom. And you can sign up for it if you just go on to the Internet and you Google Susan Clout Horse Ministry. Susan Clout Horse Ministry. It'll show you her website. There's a place you can sign up. She does newsletters about twice a month, sometimes three times a month. And it's so powerful because I call them mirror truths. She shows you how here's a truth between horse and rider, and then there's a mirror of that between God and man. It's another way of revealing the truth of God. And how many of you know the horse is mentioned in Scripture more than any other animal? Stroke your beard. Go ahead, ladies. Just do it by faith. Stroke your beard. Uh, more than any other animal. And like I said, Jesus is coming back on one. So even if you're not normally you're thinking of yourself as a horse lover, what she does, I promise, will bless you. So just Google SusanCloutHorseMinistry.com and you can sign up for her newsletter. i got a good word for you today. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be a good one. Some of you didn't tell anybody anything. You're still looking at me in shock. Get over it. Look at somebody and say, this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. I was here, as Pastor said, about a year ago. And what I ministered on was found in the first, literally, the first book of the Bible. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. This may be the only time in your life you can turn straight to the Scripture. You won't have to look it up in the index. Just open the book, and you're there. Genesis chapter 1. I want to talk to you about the beginning. Uh, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1:1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 tells us, and darkness hovered over the deep, but the Spirit of God was there. Now, I want to draw your attention to verse 3. Genesis 1, verse 3. Put that scripture up for us, brother. And we're going to see something in Genesis 1, 3 that had never happened before. As far as recorded human history is concerned, there's the Scripture. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. What happened in verse 3 that had never happened before? God spoke. Somebody said light. But how many of you noticed you didn't get light until God spoke? Everybody look at me. The Scripture says He created light. That's true, but it isn't necessarily the whole truth. How many of you know He didn't have to create it? He just released it. Because God is light. Say every time. Say every time. Say any time. Say every time, any time, all the time. Every time, any time, all the time that God opens His mouth, boom, light comes forth. His mouth is literally the source of light. That's why the Bible said, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. How many of you know even His written Word is light? Come on, y'all. Let me hear y'all say, That's good. Say it like Andy Griffith, y'all. Let me hear y'all say, That's good. It is good. So the verse says, God said, let there be light. Now, what I want you to notice, and I taught on this when I was here before, so I'm kind of doing a continuation of when I was here last year. What he said is in quotes. Everybody show me air quotes. If you don't show me air quotes, you're out of the will of God. Everybody do this. Okay, back row people. Good, good, good. Okay. Um, 
What does it mean when we see something in quotes? Who paid attention during language arts? <laughs> she went. <laughs> so you did pay attention during language arts? Yeah. Okay. What does it mean when we see something in quotes? Say what? Spoken word. Yeah, I mean, he said exactly that. And like you said, spoken word. He said it out loud. Everybody look at me. This is important. He said it out loud. God literally said, let there be light. In other words, this, he didn't do it telepathically. It wasn't a thought bubble. He literally said out loud, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Look at verse 6. Genesis 1, verse 6. As you look at verse 6, you will notice, if you're a very discerning person, it begins the same way verse 3 did, which is how? And God said. Furthermore, you notice what He said is in quotes. What's that tell us? He said it out loud is the answer I'm looking for, y'all. What does that tell us? Excellent, church. He said it out loud. Let there be a vault to separate water from water between waters. In other words, He created sky. He separated the waters of heaven from the water of earth, and He created sky. Look at verse 9. As you look at verse 9, it begins the same way as verse 3 and 6, which is how? And God said. Furthermore, you notice what He said is in quotes. What's that tell us, church? He said it out loud. Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and dry ground appeared. And it was so. Now, we're three verses in. Got a question for you. And by question, it's rhetorical. The answer is somewhat inferred, but I don't want you to say your answer out loud. I just want you to think. We've read three sentences he said out loud. Agreed? Question. Who's he talking to? Clearly, he's not talking to Adam. He hadn't made Adam yet. Adam came from dry ground, and he just now, in verse 9, made dry ground. Clearly, he wasn't talking about Eve, because Eve came from Adam. So, who's he talking to? Is he just talking out loud? Has he got issues? How many of you know that the person who sat next to you at the office always talked to themselves? You'd be calling HR. Smith's doing it again. She's talking to herself. No. God is speaking directly to someone. I want you to be thinking, who? As you think, let's look at verse 14. Verse 14 begins precisely the same way the other verses have, which is how? And God said, and this time He said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. So he created the sun and the moon. Again, what he said is in quotes, so we know he said it out loud. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump to the, to the finish for you. In verse 3, when he spoke, he was speaking to light. In verse 6, when he spoke, he was speaking to the sky. In verse 9, when he spoke, he was speaking to dry ground. In verse 14, when he spoke out loud, he was speaking to the sun and the moon. In other words, every time God spoke something into existence... Put your hand up like this. Whatever he spoke to, listened. The light listened, and there was light. The sky listened, and the sky was formed. The ground listened, and dry, dry ground appeared. The sun and the moon listened, and they appeared. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above across the vault of the sky. Uh, who paid attention in geography? The earth is, is it 80% or 75% water? Yeah. 
Everybody should do it. Uh, ish. It's 75, 80 ish, right? Everybody do that. And do the goofy handshake. If you don't, you're out of the will of God. Everybody, 75, 80. So, isn't it fascinating that here you have the earth as it is today, covered with 75 or 80% water. You had all the creeks, all the streams, all the tributaries, all the rivers, all the oceans, totally devoid of life. They were like your bathtub. Nothing. Water, nothing else. But then, in verse 20, God spoke. And He said it out loud. Let the water teem. And instantly, every stream, every creek, every river, every ocean, filled to the point of frothing with life. Let me hear y'all say, that's good. The birds covered the sky. Filled the sky. Brother, I didn't tell you to go to verse 22. Can you pull up verse 22? Pull up Genesis 1, 22. Because I want to show you something. In verse 22 it says, And then God blessed them. Them. Who did He bless? Well, them. And He blessed them. It's obvious. Well, who is the them? The birds. The fish. Every, everything. Notice what He said to Everything. He said, be fruitful and increase. Everybody look at me. So now we got all these oceans full of fish, all the creeks full of fish, all the sky full of birds, none of whom had ever laid an egg. And they never would have had he not spoke to them. Because when he spoke to them, put your hands up, they listened. What do you say, Andy? That's good. How many of you do anything God speaks to will prosper? Even stuff that's never produced before produces when God speaks to it. Say it again, Andy. Here's all these birds, never laid an egg. God speaks to them, they get busy. I marvel when I hear people say, well, this begs the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And these are people with degrees on them. I'm like, that's the stupidest question I ever heard. Of course the chicken came. God didn't create eggs. He created chickens and told them, lay an egg. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. So that's a word for somebody here. Even if you have never produced before, when God blesses you, anything that He never produced before will produce when God blesses it. You got a kid that didn't do a good school. Does this help? What's wrong with you? You ain't got a brain in your head. Did they make an A after that? No. But imagine if you took her hands and yours and said, Baby, everything you touch is going to prosper. What if you pointed at her feet and said, Baby, everywhere you put your feet, God's going to give that ground to you. You can increase in wisdom and understanding. You remember everything you studied. Oh, you're going to remember stuff you hadn't studied. Imagine if you spoke a blessing like God did. Things that had never produced before could produce. That could be your business. Amen? That could be your womb. I know people who are on their search for fertility. Imagine if you spoke a blessing over your own body. Come on, y'all. Now let's look at verse 26. And by the way, we've looked at five verses. Verse 3, 6, 9, 14, and 20. I threw 22 in there. But we looked at five verses. Every one of those began, and God said. As you look now, verse 26 says, and God said. Question. Why don't the other verses in Genesis 1 begin, and God said? 
You ever thought about it? I bet you've read the creation story many times. Why so far have just five verses, now six, began, and God said? Answer? Because each of those mark a day of creation. And you don't have creation until God speaks. You see, His mouth is not only the source of light, His mouth is the source of life. Say every time. time. Say any time. Say all the time. Every time, any time, all the time that God opens His mouth, not only does light come forth, life comes forth. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. Your Word is life unto me. His mouth literally is the source of life. So every time He opens His mouth, life comes forth. So now, this is the sixth time God has spoke. So what day of creation are we on? Day six. Notice what He said. And God said, let us... Make mankind in our image. Let's just stop there. What's a little weird about that? Our. Us. He's speaking in the plural. Imagine if that workmate of yours did that all the time. You'd be calling HR again. And yet, God does it. Let us make mankind in our image. Realistically, the us and the our should be capitalized. Because I'm understand God is an us. He's plural. He's literally a trinity. How about outside of the room? Let me hear y'all say, He's a trinity. Uh, say it with an exclamatory fashion from the back of the throat. He's a trinity. Very good. Now, those of you on this side of the room, your line is what? Excellent. Now, those of you on this side of the room, ladies? No, no, hold on. I appreciate that enthusiasm, but I wanted to prime the pump a minute here. Uh, Ladies, I want you to just be natural. Be yourselves. Be discerning. Guys, you're going to have to draw on your inner Sherlock. Because we are not so much discerning. Agreed? I mean, my wife and I can hear, I can have some guy tell me something. I'm going, wow, I walk off. That's amazing. You know what my wife says? I don't believe a word he said. And she's always right. She can discern... I have to draw on my inner Sherlock. So, ladies, just be yourselves. Guys, draw on your inner Sherlock. When he says, let us make mankind in our image, we know that your line is? We know he's a trinity. What do we know about us? Very good. See, you were sitting there all along going, oh. And she went, we're a trinity. (laughs) It's discerning, brother. It's not a weakness of you. It's just where she's at. Nothing you can do about it. It's biology. He is a trinity, and therefore, we're a trinity. So let me hear you say, He's a trinity. Let me hear you say, I'm a trinity. You are indeed. He's a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're a trinity, spirit, soul, and body. You're made in His image. You have three aspects. Brother Hagin taught us, say it, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Say that again. I am a spirit. How many of you know the real you is your spirit? Right? It's not your intellect and will, and it's certainly not your body. Say it again. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. You're a trinity because He's a trinity. But now I want to draw your attention to something else. It says, And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. And then there's a comma after the word likeness. Who else here paid attention during language arts? I like how many of you immediately are averting my gaze. 
Oh, beautiful tables that they have in here. These chairs and this carpet are just, he's still looking. Yes. Oh, and the ceiling is attractive. Yes, I agree it is. What does a comma mean? Pause. Excellent. I noticed many of the men answered then a pause. Uh, here's why I draw attention to that. Because I believe both commas and semicolons were devised by estrogen. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Every married man in this room knows it's what comes after the pause that's important. You see, in the early years when my wife and I first got married, she could be talking to me and she stopped. And I would make a rookie mistake. I began to speak. And then I understand that was completely out of step. Because as she made abundantly clear to me, Kim, I'm not finished. Just because I stopped, I stopped for a reason. How many married men here have learned that lesson? Go ahead, guys. Raise your hand. That's right. I like him. He's like, I'm just scratching my head, baby. I'm not. <laughs> he knows. How long have y'all been married? Impressively, you're well trained then. You know. That's right. It's what comes after the pause that matters. So it is with God. So look what he says. Listen. When you study the Bible, it isn't just what he said, it's how he says it. And the way you know how he said it is through punctuation. And that's why punctuation is important. So let's read this verse, understanding that. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Pause. And then the two most powerful words in this verse come next, which are what? So that. So that. Everybody say, so that. You were created in the image of God so that there's a reason you were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God so that you could what? Rule. Over what? Fish of the sea, birds in the sky, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that move along the In short, you were made ruler over all creation. I submit to you, Genesis 1.26 is one of the most powerful Scriptures in the entire Bible and one of the most pivotal and critical Scriptures in the, in the creation story because in verse 26, God tagged you and I in. See, here's the deal. For 25 verses, put your hand up. For 25 verses, God has been speaking and all the creation listened to Him. But as of verse 26, put your hand up there. Now all the creation is listening to you. What do you say to that, Andy? That's good. You have been given rule and reign in this life. God gave Adam dominion. Now, here's what I want you to realize. We read in those verses, and God said, and then what He said is in quotes. And I said to you, He said it out loud. Here's the deal. He had to say it out loud. Look at me. I want you to get this. He had to say it out loud because authority is exercised and released with the mouth. He had to say it out loud because authority is exercised and released through the mouth. Let me ask you, church, how is authority exercised and released? Through the mouth. So now, who did he just give authority to? Personalize it. Moi. Give me a moi. That's right, he gave it to you. And remind me now, how is authority exercised and released? Through the mouth. So, how many of you know that as soon as God gave Adam authority, 
He marched all the animals by Adam. And what did He have Adam do? Name them. Why didn't God name them? Was it just slap worn out from all that creating? I'm telling you, son, I've had six days of this. I'm, I'm not the God I used to be. I'm going to take a knee here. I'm going to tag you in. Is that it? No. Everybody look at me. How many of you know he couldn't name them? I like how some of y'all are thinking that over. Some of y'all are going, is that what we believe here? How did Pastor Stephen take that? He couldn't name them. Because he'd have been in violation of his own law if he had. He said, I've given you that authority. Adam was the one who ruled and reigned over all the animals, over all of creation. And therefore, Adam named them. Now, since Genesis 1.26 to today, all of creation, put your hand up there again, has been listening to you. That's why the Bible says, in your tongue is the power of life and death. That's why Jesus said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. How many of you know that's why Jesus, when He went out there with the disciples and wind and waves came up and they were all freaking, what was Jesus doing? Sleeping, chilling. They had to wake Him up. And then who did He speak to? The wind and the waves. Why? Put your hand up. Because they listened. What do you say to that, Andy? When he encountered a young girl who had a fever, he didn't speak to her. He spoke to the fever. Put your hand up. Because it listened. You see, all of creation listens. That's why you should guard your mouth. That's why King David said, put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Was he trying to guard what went in? Oh. Because how many know the Bible says it isn't what goes in your mouth that it defiles you. It's what comes out. It is something today people are concerned about what you put in your mouth. You ever dealt with any of those folks? Are you going to eat that? That has wheat gluten in it. You're going to drink that? That's pure cane sugar you're putting in your body. You eat animals? All these people concerned about what you put in your mouth. Let me ask you this. When we stand before the throne of God, is God going to look at us and go, uh, these cholesterol numbers... In this body mass index. I'm not even going to go there. Now, we're not going to give an account for what we put in our mouth, thankfully. We are going to give an account for what came out. Wouldn't it be something if America today was concerned about what they let come out of the mouth as what they put in it? Come on, y'all. So, God says, all of creation is listening to you. And you can speak to it. That's why he said, speak to the mountains. I mean, that seems a little weird, doesn't it? Speak to the mountains. Why? Because they're listening. Now, this was spoke at Genesis 1.26. This was spoke on the sixth day of creation. Thousands of years have transpired since then. And I want you to see what it's come to. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 19 through 22. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 through 22. It says, For who? The creation is waiting in what? Eager expectation for what? The children of God to be revealed. How many of you have read this scripture before? If you've read your Bible, you've read this. Some of y'all, I read the Bible every year. Yeah, some people, if you read your Bible, oh, I read it in 83. I really enjoyed it. 
I may read it again sometime. How many of you know you don't read it once and you got it, right? So I bet every time you've read the Bible, you've seen this Scripture. Have you ever wondered, what does that mean? For all of creation is waiting in eager expectation for who? The children of God to be ready. Well, let me, let's just break, let me hear you say, break it down. Let's break this down. Who are the children of God? Say, so that'd be me. Okay, so creation is waiting for us. Me. For me to what? To be revealed. Well, how are we revealed? Do we go, ta-da! How were the children of God revealed? Evidently, they're revealed enough that you all know you are one. But evidently, it hadn't been sufficient for creation. Because creation is waiting. Waiting in eager expectation. Speaking of waiting. Married men, let me see all the brothers in the struggle. All right. Each of you married men have dealt with this before. Uh, women are the masters of nonverbal communication. You may not have realized it, but you had a front row seat today when Pastor was giving the announcement. Because he looked at his wife and said, do you want to give this announcement? She never said anything. And he said, she wants me to give this announcement. She... Nonverbal communication is powerful, isn't it? Uh, and husbands not only learn this, but you had the opportunity to learn this as a kid. How many of you here are familiar with your mother's look? We all know that. There you go. We all know the look. Uh, and you know the look is powerful. For married men, they know not only is the look powerful, but so is the sigh. Ladies, on three, I want to hear all of you collectively give me the sigh. One, two, three. Many times the sigh is followed by the look. You get the sigh as an attention giver, and then the look. And that sigh has the potential to mean anything, doesn't it? I mean, your wife could look at you and go, and that could mean, do we have to watch this? Or it could mean, my father was right about you. I mean, it, it could be the entire range of, of knowledge and understanding in just... So notice creation... It says here it's waiting in eager expectation. I suspect creation has moved well past the sigh, right? And in fact, if you look, look at the next verse. Look at verse 20. It says, for the creation was subjected to what? Frustration. If you read the NIV, or you, excuse me, you read the King James, it says it was subjected to decay and death. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. How many of you understand when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, they brought into life death? Do you understand what I just said? Wave your hand. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they introduced into their experience death. How many know had they not eaten that tree, they could be in service with us today? God intended them to have Zoe, the life of God, from the beginning. But they disobeyed God. And the wages of sin are death. But how many of you understand, not only was death introduced into their lives, but to everything that was under their authority? Stroke your beard. 
Hmm. Under everything under their and what was under their authority? Everything. So from that instant, not only did Adam and Eve experience carnal, natural death and decay, so did creation. And it wasn't creation's choice. Now, how many understand? By look at me. That's why there's two things in this life that'll be difficult for you to ever overcome. One of them is your authority. Be careful of who you submit yourself to and get under their authority. When it comes to somebody being your pastor, you want somebody that's on 10 for Jesus. Because how many of you know if they're not on 10, you never will be? You can't rise above your authority, parenthetically. The other thing you'll be difficult to ever overcome, your own confession. Your own confession. In other words, you can't walk in blessing if all that ever comes out of your mouth is lack. You can't walk in healing if all that ever comes out of your mouth is, I'm about to die. My back's killing me. Come on, y'all. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. So, creation subjected not of its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Now look at verse 21. In hope that creation itself will be liberated. It wants to be liberated from this bondage and decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Look at verse 22. I said earlier, it's moved well past the sigh. Look what it says it's doing now. Groaning. How? Like a woman in childbirth. How many of y'all know that's not an everyday groan? Let me all say big time. How many of y'all have ever been in the room when that's going down? I had the opportunity. I didn't want to go in there. Because how many of you know anything could happen? To me, that's the most amazing thing of creation is that a woman can give birth to a child. And then it's something that the world wants to dumb that down. In fact, the world wants to tell you there's no difference between man and a woman. Well, how many of y'all remember you were seven, eight years old, you discovered there's a difference? Huh? Come on, y'all. You know, the world's trying to tell you today there's not a difference between a man and a woman. How many of you men here are glad your wife don't look like you? Yeah. The Bible says He made a male and female. Amen? But the creation is now groaning like a woman giving childbirth. Why? It told us in verse 19. It's waiting on who to be revealed? The children of God. And who do we say the children of God are? So what have we not done that's got creation to the point of groaning and screaming out like a woman in childbirth? Something to think about. Well, by deductive reasoning, let's kind of look. If we're the children of God, who was the original Son of God? Jesus. Y'all were thinking that was a trick question, but it wasn't at all. It was pretty obvious. You knew. You're like, well, I knew that. It's Jesus, right? He only begat one Son. It wasn't me or you. It was Him. Jesus. So how many of you know Jesus is the prototype child of God? Are we agreed on that? And so, if we want to know, how is a child of God revealed? Well, we need to look at how was He revealed? What did He do that distinguished Him from just being a guy? What did He do that distinguished Him so that all the people that He grew up with in that city went, oh, that's Mary and Joseph's boy. Well, the Bible says, when he stepped into his ministry, everywhere he went, he went about doing good 
When he walked into a place that there was somebody that was blind, by the time he left, what happened? They could see. Let me all say, that's good. If he walked into a place and there's somebody that's deaf, when he left, what happened? They could hear it. What's that? That's good. If he walked into a place and they were a leper, when he left, they were clean. What's that? Hey, when he walked into a place and somebody was dead, when he left, what happened? They were alive. That's how a child of God is revealed. He basically said, let me break it down for y'all. Rather than telling it to you, rather than handing out a syllabus, we don't need a workbook, I don't need charts and graphs, just watch me. And you'll see how a child of God is revealed. That is what creation has been waiting for with you and I. Now, how many of you know Jesus isn't going around laying hands on the sick today? Is He? Like again, y'all are like, well, I, I, is he? I don't tell us. No, how many of y'all know he's not holding a tent revival in Anderson today? He's not going to be at the Walmart in Greenville this afternoon from one to three signing Bibles. The Son of Man Himself, free hot dogs and cokes. Bring the kids. No, some of y'all look. He's not. No, he's not going to be there. And how do we know he's not going to be there? Exactly. Because the Bible says that when He ascended into heaven, He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Hey, we not only, how many of you know you don't sit down until you're done? So here's the deal. Jesus has already done all He's going to do. He isn't laying hands on the sick today. Let me hear you all in this side of the room say, He's already done. Y'all can do better than that. He's already done. Let me hear you all say, what He needed to do. Yeah, that's why the last words on the cross were, it is finished. That's why He ascended to heaven and sat down. He's already done all He's going to do. So, if the lame are going to walk today, who's that up to? Personalize it. If the deaf are going to hear, who's that up to? Come on, y'all. Yeah. You and me. We're the sons of God. That's what creation's waiting for. But see, here's the deal. We have children of God today, and do they have signs and wonders following them? How many know in the book of Mark? In fact, pull that up, brother. Mark 16, verse 15 and 17. 15 through 17. Mark 16, I got out of order a little bit here on purpose because I want to jump to this verse. Mark 16, verse 15 through 17. This is after Jesus is raised from the dead. He speaks to the disciples. The last thing he says to them is called the Great Commission. In Mark 16, it's rendered this way. Go into all the world and do what? To who? Oh. Again, how many times have you read your Bible and missed the last two words of that? Who are we preaching to? All of creation. Come on, Andy. Because what's all of creation doing? You betcha. When you speak, when you preach, all of creation's listening. Not just men and women. All of creation. Tell me again, Andy. Look at verse 16. He said, And whoever believes that is baptized will be saved, but whoever is not believed will be condemned. Now look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, And these signs, indicators, proofs, will follow all those that what? Believe. Then we have a colon, which first says, in my name they'll do what? 
How many of y'all have ever, how, many, how long have you been in ministry, brother? 30 years. You ever encountered somebody with a demon? Yep, me too. For those of you who have not, go out here on I-85 or I-26. It's eat up with people filled up with demons. You may go out here on Highway 9. I don't know. He says, in my name, they'll do what? And where does that concept originate from? Him. He did that. Oh, wait. He's a child of God. He's the child of God. He did it. So what does that mean? We're to do it. Look at the next part of the verse. What else do they do? Speak in tongues. There's a, if you look at verse, the next verse, it says, and they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Where do we get an idea like that? Oh, from Him. You see, He showed how a child of God is revealed. That's what creation's been waiting for. And here's my problem. I won't say my problem. Here's the problem with the church. When we have an opportunity where the sick are healed, where the Spirit of God moves, where there's a manifestation, what does everybody do? We all go run into that. Y'all remember a few years ago when they were having people down in Florida laughing in church? I remember telling my wife, it took the Holy Ghost to get laughter into church. The committee of the concern that legislated it out. Don't laugh in here. They're the ones that sing, He has made me glad like this. I didn't want to be this way. But He made me glad. People were laughing down there. When Rodney Howard Brown was preaching down there in Tampa, everybody went running there. A few years ago, they had great meetings in uh, Toronto. People heard about it. What did they all do? They all went running there. Down in Pensacola, Brownsville. Had revival every night for what? Three, four years? Everybody went running there. I don't have a problem with you going to those services. I just want to point out that's exactly opposite of what Jesus taught. He never said, you'll follow signs and wonders. He said, signs and wonders follow you. Let me all say, everywhere I go, somebody gets healed. Say, everywhere I go, Somebody gets born again. Maverick? That is a great name, by the way. Was that your daddy's idea? There you go. Dad said, that is a good name. Whose idea was that? Dad said, that'd be me. That's right. How old a boy are you, Maverick? Nineteen. People ought to think long and hard before they invite you to a party, Maverick. Because here's what they ought to be thinking. You know, Maverick's a lot of fun. Uh, he's, He's a great joy to be around. He sings well. He can tell great jokes. But they say, you know, if we invite Maverick before the night's over, somebody's going to get healed. I mean, you invite Maverick before the night's over, somebody's going to get born again. That's what they ought to think about all of us. Because they ought to know, hey, you got Stephen there, somebody's going to get healed. Everywhere he goes, say it, everywhere he goes. Signs of wonder. I call it the Holy Ghost stuff. Let me y'all say, I'm a Holy Ghost stuff doer. Say, everywhere I go, I do that Holy Ghost stuff. Amen. Isn't it somehow we got churches today that don't want the Holy Ghost stuff? Oh, we don't do that stuff here. We don't believe in that stuff. Oh, I mean, I know it's in the Bible, but we, we don't believe that stuff's for today. Well, why don't you believe that? Well, we voted on it. It was a seven to three vote. You can't argue with that. 
And it's something we got people out there, churches, voting on what the Bible means. Like it's up to them. <laughs> you think the Lord's up in heaven going, Gable, did you hear that? They voted against it. Change everything. Change everything. <laughs> no. And this is why creation's gotten to the point, well past the sigh, well past the groan, now it's groaning and screaming out like a woman in childbirth. Is there a Son of God somewhere? That's good preaching, y'all. He's waiting for us to be revealed. So, Kim, can you give us some practical application? So what? I mean, it all sounds good. But how, how could that happen? I thought you'd never ask. I want you to consider this. We live in what is considered the information age. I'm going to pull out of my back pocket my smartphone. Now, I was reading an article the other day. Average smartphone today. More computer power here than in the computers that sent the first NASA mission to the moon and back. Stroke your beard. That's unbelievable. How many of you know, if you want to know anything, dial this up. Where was Tom Petty born? Oh, there. Where did he die? There. How did he die? Hmm. How many number one hits did he have? Was he left-handed or right-handed? Who did Muhammad Ali fight for the third time to win the national uh, title? If you want to know anything, this is the information age. You can know anything you want to know right now. Agreed? Information age. We have literally at our fingertips... All the information we want. But how many of you understand what I've ministered to you today, what you have in your lap, the Word of God? If you're not careful, it's simply information. And it's struggling with all the other information for your attention. How many of you noticed, ever been around with somebody, because clearly it's none of you, but how many of you know somebody that you're trying to talk to them and they're doing this. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. And you know, how many of you are tempted to go, Pop! <laughs> I'm a guy, so that's my, my first response to that. Because I realize they're, they're here, they're not looking at me, they're not, because this information is more important than this information. And so here's the deal. If you're not careful, the Word of God is just information. Put that word up for us, brother. Information. It's simply information. How do you transfer the Bible from being information to anything else? Well, again, God is our source, so I will refer to the story of Joshua. If you read in Joshua, the first chapter, God spoke to Joshua and said, Joshua, I want you to meditate on my word. I want you to meditate. How often did you tell him to meditate on it? Day and night. So that would be when? All the time. So imagine if we took information and added to that meditation. I said earlier, you don't just read the Bible once and you've got it. I've been a student of the Bible for over 40 years. There's still stuff I read in there now that I go, what? That's crazy. I'll give you an example I think is a little over the top. I referenced it earlier. The Bible says, 
On the last day of judgment, we're going to stand before the throne of God and give an account for every word we've ever spoken. I actually told the Lord once, I think that's a little bit over the top. Don't you think that's a bit excessive? How many of you enjoy being around somebody that reminds you of everything you've ever said? Aren't they a joy to be around? So I've said to God, why, why in the world are you holding my feet to the fire? Every word I've ever said, he was like, why? And I said, why are you doing that? Listen to what the Lord said to me. He said, because you're created in my image. He said, I hold you accountable for every word you've ever spoken because I first hold myself responsible for every word I've ever spoken. Come on, Andy. See, God is faithful. He has never spoke anything that is not so. And that's why we give an account for every word. Seems a bit excessive. And that's what it does when you say meditate day and night. But how many of you know that's how you come alive to the Word? That's how it moves from information is when you meditate on it. How many of you have ever thought about something over and over and over and all of a sudden your lights came on? Have you ever had that happen? Wave your hand like this. Yes. You see, what happened was when you added meditation to your information, what did you get? A revelation! Shazam! Let me hear y'all say, Shazam! That's in the New Redneck translation. Shazam! Golly! All of a sudden, you've been reading this, you've been thinking about it, it was just information, but when you sat there and meditated on it, when you meditated on it, when you meditated on it, all of a sudden, you got a revelation. Is that where it stops? No. Once you've got a revelation, you know what you need? You know what you'll get? How about an inspiration? You'll get an inspiration. All of a sudden you get a revelation and you're inspired to do something. That's what creation's been waiting for. Some children of God that have moved past the information age, who've moved past the meditation age, who've moved past revelation. How many of you know faith without works is dead? Now they've got an inspiration. And if you've got an inspiration, what are you likely to give? Y'all are thinking, what Asian would come next? How about a demonstration? A demonstration. How many of you know that's what Jesus did? Jesus walked into a place and they had caught a woman in the act of adultery. Does it get worse than that? Caught in the act. And what did everybody want to do? Stone her! Jesus came walking up and what did He say? He said, well, that is the law. That's what the law says. But I like how he approached it. He said, listen, listen. We don't want to just stone her willy-nilly. Why, if all y'all start throwing rocks, you're liable to hit one another. Let's put some order to this. In fact, let's do this in a very orderly fashion. And let's let y'all come up one at a time. And let's begin with which one of you here is without sin. You should cast the first stone. You see, Jesus walked into a situation where there was trouble, and He gave a demonstration of how the love of God deals with that. Everybody look at me. God isn't up there with a ball-peen hammer just waiting for you. Boo! Hell! That's church people. Boo! Hell! God doesn't do that. 
God is merciful and gracious. How often will He forgive me? Well, He said, I expect you to forgive like I do. Seventy times seven. Come on, y'all. He gives a demonstration of what it means to be a child of God. That's what Jesus did everywhere He went. He was a demonstration of what it means to be a child of God. Amen? And what happens when you give a demonstration? Well, what happened was that He laid hands on people. You got a, a manifestation. Somebody who couldn't see can see now. Y'all remember when He put mud patties on that boy's eyes? And everybody wanted to know, well, how did He do this? He says, well, I, I, don't, I don't even know who did it. I just know I couldn't see before. Now I can see. He the man. He got a manifestation. How many of you know you can't argue with manifestations? Oh, I know there's churches out there who have voted, we don't believe that healing is for today. But how many of you know telling somebody who's already been healed, it's a little late to try telling them that. They're like, I've already been helped. Keep that to yourself. Come on, y'all. i never forget the first time somebody gave me a teaching tape. You can tell how long ago it was. A teaching tape, a cassette tape. You, was Doc Horton out at Raymond when you were out here? I grew up with Doc. Uh, his son David was a dear friend of mine. And back when I used to party, David would pray for me all the time. And when I finally got saved, he said, Now, Kim, you need to get plugged into church. And I was like, Well, I'm going. They're telling me I'm going to hell every time I'm there. He said, Well, but there's more to it than that. And he said, I want to give you this. I said, What is it? He said, It's a, it's a, a teaching. I said, Well, what kind of music is it? He said, Oh, it's not music. He said, It's preaching. I remember saying to him, preaching? His dad was a preacher, so was mine. I said, you're listening to preaching when you don't have to? Because <laughs> if you're a preacher's kid, you've got to listen to a lot of preaching. Right now, some of y'all got to listen. You may not want to. Some of y'all are thinking right now, time we get out of here, not going to be no shrimp. I believe the chicken will be gone too, sweetheart. Potted meat and spam is all we're going to get when we get out of here. I'm about done. Everybody raise your right hand like this. Take your right hand and just lean to the person next to you and kind of stroke them and reassure them. Tell them to say it's going to be all right. Say, say this to him. Say he's not going to preach much longer. Did that make it better? Well, then wave at me. Say, take your time. You all waved. You just didn't say nothing. So, Jesus gave a demonstration, and we got a manifestation. You can't argue with a manifestation, amen? It's there. All we know is she was blind before, now she can see. Doesn't matter how y'all voted on it. Don't tell me that's not for today. My daughter is healed. Amen? And wonder what you'd get if you had information, and you added meditation to it, you'd get a... And once you had a revelation, you're likely to give a... Of a, which would bring forth a, and if you got a manifestation, wonder what you'd get next. How about a celebration? Come on, y'all. If you once were dead, now you're alive. Celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. You got something to celebrate about. Amen. That's why every time you come in here, don't sit on your hands. You know, I was in the world. I didn't know Jesus. You know, my mantra was, party! Party! 25 hours a day, I wanted to party. 
If I wasn't high, I was thinking about being high. I thought that's how you had a good time. First thing when I walk in the club, three double shots of wild turkey. I said, I got to get my heart started. Six shots of whiskey. Right there is how I roll. Thought I was free. Thought I was partying. How many know the world builds buildings just to party in? In fact, they've decided it's five o'clock somewhere. Let's party. Right? They're all about partying. But be honest. When you were in the world, what did you have to party about? No wonder it took six double shots of whiskey. I didn't have that much to get over what I was doing in my life. Think about it. When you were in the world, what did you have to... Hi, my name is Bob. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I've been divorced three times. I'm hopelessly in debt. Now let's have a good time. We didn't have nothing to party about when we were in the world, did we? And yet we did. But if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, y'all, if you've been set free from the curse of sin and death, if you've been brought out of death into His marvelous light, if you've walked out of darkness into His marvelous light, you've got something to party about. Celebrate! But what happens in church? Well, let's, let's don't get too crazy now. Settle down. We like guitars, just don't plug them in. I remember the first time I went to a church with a guitar. I walked in and they said, It's too loud! And I said, I hadn't even plugged it in yet. Let's go through them together, because this is what creation's waiting for. Information, add meditation, and what do you get? What are you likely to get then? To give a what? And if you give it to inspiration, what are we going to get? And what happens once we get a manifestation? Everybody. 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 Bow your heads, close your eyes. For creation has been groaning in eager expectation awaiting for the sons of God to be revealed. The Son of God has already been revealed. Took Him but three and a half years to change the world. We've had 2,000 years just since that moment. What have we done? What have you done? We're eight weeks into this new year. Ask yourself, how many people have I led to Jesus this year? At this rate, how many will you lead to Jesus over the entire year? How many people have you laid hands on that were sick? How many people have you actively been involved in making a disciple out of? You see, Jesus said, these are the signs that follow those who follow me. Signs and wonders follow them. Everywhere they go, people get born again. Everywhere they go, people get healed. Everywhere they go, Chains are broken because the power of God manifests. Church, let me tell you, all of creation and certainly all of America is looking for that right now. They're so desperate for something, they're looking in the deepest holes on the planet and think they found stuff. Looking into hell and think they found life. 
Judgment starts in the house of God. If my people called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, will humble themselves, then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. Starts with you and me, beloved. And so I want to challenge you. Pastor said something before I came up here. Basically, what he said was, we need to go out different than the way we came in. And, and if I've done my job well today, you're going to go out different than the way you came in. If I've done what God called me to, you're going to go out different with a different understanding that you had than when you came in. I hope you go out with a different perspective, a different enthusiasm, a different determination. I'm going to give a demonstration of what it means to be a child of God. We're going to get a manifestation. Everywhere I go, people are going to celebrate the presence of God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I don't ever go anywhere and preach about anything under the assumption that everybody there is born again. Because i got my own life to prove that don't happen. Eighteen years I sat in church, lost as could be. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be somebody sitting in here this morning. I realize you're in church. I know you've got a Bible on your lap, got your name in gold on the cover. Won't get you to heaven. I, I know your parents may be Christians. That don't make you one. I realize your wife's a Christian. That don't mean you are. Jesus broke it down to a man named Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. No man comes to the Father but through me. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, if you're here today and you can't definitively say, I know that I know this is when I turned my life to Him and said, I'm a sinner. I can't fix myself. Forgive me of my sin. If you've never done that, let me just be straight up with you. You're not born again. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. It don't happen through osmosis. It's a decision. It's a choice. And so having said that, today is an intersection. As you're seated there, you are at an intersection in your life where the direction of your life can change for the better. Here's what's cool. You don't need a password. <laughs> no forms to fill out. No lines to stand in. All you have to do is say one word. Yes. When you say yes to Jesus, things begin to change from the inside out. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, but you're ready. You feel like it might be smart for you to exchange death for His life. Despair for His hope. Anger for His joy. Frustration for His peace. One word. Yes. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come to the front. Stand up. None of that. Pray for you right where you're seated. Right now. If you're here and you're ready to say, I'm ready for Jesus to change my life. To see what He can do in my life. I see what I've done with it. Let's see what He can do. I want you to do something simple if that's you. Right where you're seated. Just raise your hand quickly where I can see it. Do it now. Just high enough where I can see it. I'm only going to wait a minute because you know if you're born again or not. Just raise it where I can see it right now. Right now. I'm not going to rush because the night I got saved, the man had to ask three times before I responded. So I'm going to ask one more time. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, this is your time right now. Just raise your hand where I can see it. Do it now. Well, that tells me you were the perfect audience for what I ministered on today. Because every one of you in here are a child of God. You and I are the ones creation's been eagerly waiting on. If I could take a line from Nike, just do it. Father, I just thank You for Your Word today. I thank You for the power of Your Word to change lives. Lord, I pray everything that I've shared from Your Word today would be sealed in the hearts of these, Your people. Give them the meditation desire 
to move information to a revelation stage. I pray that would be manifest in their life. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, it's done. I thank you for your attention. I thank you for your pastor giving me the opportunity to come. Here's all I'm going to say. This is my life. This isn't what I do on the weekends and then I have a real job during the week. For 42 years, my life's been ministry. And everywhere I go, your pastor will tell you, I go on faith. All the years I've come here, all the years I came to the other church, all the years I've gone to any church for 42 years, I never mandate and say, if you don't give me this, I won't come. Because here's what I know. Everybody look at me. The night the Lord called me to ministry, these were His very words to me. He said, Son, don't ever tell them what you think. Tell them what I said. That's what I've endeavored to do today. He said, If you tell them what I said, everybody put your hand up. He said, Then I will speak to them. And they will bless you. During the COVID thing of this past year, as Pastor shared, I told him, we had 16 weeks of cancellation. Four months without income. If you'd have told me I could have gone four months, hey, if you'd have told me I could have gone four weeks. Huh, two weeks. But see, here's the deal. I didn't have to go without. Now, here's what's remarkable. God don't print money. Wouldn't it be cool if He did, though? Can't you hear him up in heaven? Gabriel, let's go with fifties and hundreds. Get the presses rolling. But you know what? He don't print money. Here's what he said to me. His exact words to me. I will never give you a hundred dollar bill. He said, that's what my people are for. He said, I'll never write you a check. That's what my people are for. That's what my ministers are for. The churches that host you, they will bless you. And so I've, I've never had, that's one aspect of ministry I've never struggled with because I went in faith. I just said, here's the deal. Give me the opportunity to minister. And then give your people the opportunity to respond. For however long it's been, 12, 13, 14, 15 years that I've been coming here, they will tell you every time that's how I've come. And you have always been generous. So here's what I'm asking. When he asked if there was anybody here who had never heard me, I think only one or two people raised their hand which means to me the rest of you have heard before. So here's what I'm going to ask you. If anything I've ever said in 12 or 13 years has made a deposit in your life, has made a change in your life, here's what I'm asking. Make one in mind. Put your hand up. He'll speak to you. Please be obedient, whatever he tells you. Amen? Come on, brother. We're going to play a song before we go home. Hallelujah. Wasn't that good? I tell you, if you if if you needed a reason to celebrate, he gave you one, amen. I mean, you know, if you if you needed that, but uh I don't I don't believe we that we have to be coerced into celebrating, uh, because I believe that, that we have a church full of people here who know how to do that, amen. And I think we have a church full of people that know how to give. Amen. And and those watching online, we're going to keep the live stream going so so you can listen to and play as well. But you can give online the same way that we talked about the offering, that you can give online. Uh, you can give through the website or through Tidely. You can give either way there. So make sure you do that and be a blessing. We'll make sure we get that to him as well. So, so uh, if you're making checks out, make them out to Destiny Bible Church, and we'll write him one check and, and uh, send him on his way. And so let's go ahead and hold our offering up, and we're going to pray.
And then, um, and we just listen. I encourage you. Be a blessing this morning. You know, do do go over and above what you were thinking. Go give a little bit extra this morning. Amen. And uh, I promise you, you'll be blessed. Let's order offering up. We'll pray over it, and then He's going to bless us with the song here as as we close out the service today. So, Father, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you for the word today, Father. Thank you that that we, Father, I, I Father, I put my faith out there, knowing, Lord, that. That the the creation is waiting on me to speak, and Father, that those those seven points He gave us, it'll lead to celebration in our life, Lord, all the way from inspiration or information all the way down to celebration. Father, I thank you for that. So we bless you. We bless we bless the man of God this morning. We bless Brother Kim and his his wife Susan and both their ministries. Father, we pray that this seed that we're sowing tonight. Lord, or this morning, I mean, Father, we pray this seed we're sowing this morning will be a major blessing to him and his ministry, and it'll help, it'll help send him across the country. Father, ministering to the Native Americans, ministering to churches all over the, all over the nation, Father. So we bless Brother Kim and Susan, and we pray your richest blessings on them. Thank you for health and prosperity in their ministry, in their lives. And Father, we just pray your richest blessings on them, and we give you all the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can, uh, before you start playing, we'll let them, y'all bring the offering real quick, and then, uh, and then as you bring that, I gotta move his monitor here right quick.